The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Frank Holland, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show is live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. We begin with Wall Street on edge as the Federal Reserve gets set to release its latest rate decision on Wednesday. But it's not the only central bank that's making moves. Also, we have a developing story. Day four of the historic United Auto Workers strike crippling the production capacities of Detroit's big three. As members say, they will hold out for more. Now the White House is getting involved. Also, hot on the heels of Arm Holdings, how one software, software maker out of Boston hopes to keep the appetite for big IPOs alive. Plus, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy draws a line in the sand in D.C. as the latest D.C. shutdown showdown plays out. And then later in the show, the sunglasses maker riding Coach Prime's three-game win streak to the top. It is Monday, September the 18th, 2023, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I'm Frank Holland. Let's get you ready to start this day. We kick it off, as always, with a check on U.S. stock futures. Taking a look. They've been holding steady pretty much all morning long. It looks like the Dow would open up just slightly higher right now. Similar story for the S&P and the NASDAQ, both of them fractionally higher at this hour. We have the Dow riding a three-session win streak. Looks like that may continue. But again, as we always say, it's early. We're also checking the bond market. As always, look at the benchmark 10-year. Right now coming in at 4.34, highest level since 2007. Also important to note, the yield on the two-year back above 5%. We continue to watch that. We're also looking at energy. Oil riding a three-week win streak, trading at its highest level since November of 2022. Taking a look at WTI as the U.S. benchmark at basically 91 bucks a barrel, up a quarter of a percent right now. Brent crude basically at 94 bucks a barrel, just ticking to 94 right now, up fractionally. Bigger moves for natural gas, up three quarters of one percent. We're going to talk a lot more about oil later on the show. We're going to hear from Bank of America and why we could be facing triple digit prices sooner than later. All right. Time now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Bertha Coombs is here with those. Bertha, good morning. Hey, good morning to you, Frank. Let's kick things off with a developing story. United Auto Workers President Sean Fain rejecting a 21 percent pay boost for offer from Stellantis, calling it and other offers from Ford and GM a no-go as the union's first ever strike against the Detroit's big three all at the same time, now entering its fourth day. Fain telling NBC's Meet the Press things could get even worse. If we don't get better offers and we don't get down and take care of the members' needs, then uh, we're going to amp this thing up even more. This is the White House looks to get involved now, according to NBC News, set to send a team, including labor advisor Gene Sperling, this week to Detroit. And hot on the heels of arm holdings and a hiked pricing range for Instacart, 
Clavoyus, Clavillos, rather, is reportedly raising the target of its IPO set for Wednesday to more than $550 million, according to Bloomberg. The Boston-based digital marketing software maker is now set to price shares between $27 and $29 a share, up from a range of $25 to $27. At this new range, the company could fetch a valuation of about $8.7 billion. And Rourke Capital's $9.6 billion deal to buy Subway is reportedly hitting the regulatory radar. Sources tell the New York Post that uh, the FTC officials are taking a closer look at the deal and uh, possible antitrust complications. Atlanta-based Rourke Capital already owns Dunkin' Brands, Arby's, Sonic, Jimmy John's, and more. Adding Subway to its portfolio would create a company with more than 40,000 outlets nationwide. That's three times that of McDonald's. Can't even imagine wow. something bigger than McDonald's, Frank. Yeah, it's really hard to imagine. I know for you and I growing up, McDonald's just seemed to be the most ubiquitous fast food chain possible. And the fact there's now places or companies that have even more locations, pretty hard to imagine. Bertha, we're going to see you later yeah. in the show. Thank you. All right, investors are gearing up for a very busy week on Wall Street, including the Fed's next monetary policy decision, where it is widely expected to hold interest rates steady. Other likely market movers, Instacart, set to begin trading following ARM's blockbuster IPO. We have earnings from FedEx and KB Home. Also, other central bank decisions from the U.K. and Japan. All this with September really living up to its reputation as the worst month of the year for stocks following back-to-back weekly losses for the major indexes. Let's talk more about this with Robert Shine, chief investment officer at Blanky Shine Wealth Management. That's a high-tower company. Robert, good morning. Great to have you. Good morning, Frank. All right, let's talk about it. So just looking at the numbers, the Dow, the Nasdaq, and the S&P, all trading below their 50-day moving averages, negative month to date. Is this just simply September seasonality, or is there something else to this? Right now, it's a traditional rebalance. It's a seasonality. If you look at Friday, we had quadruple riching on uh, the, the options. So, you know, you're going to get the seasonal pullback right now. And it's a great opportunity to rebalance your portfolio and pick off some opportunities. All right. So you're saying this is a buying opportunity. If you're going to buy, where are you looking to buy right now? Where's the area of focus? Well, we like Google. Uh, You know, Google, obviously, the DOJ right now uh, has them squarely in their sights. But if you go back to the playbook, you know, back in 1998, when DOJ went after Microsoft, even if you bought Microsoft back then, you turned out to actually be, you know, well ahead of the game. We believe the same case right now with Google, whether it's a settlement or a structural restructuring within Google shareholders long term, we believe that Google will still continue to outperform the overall market. So that's a good spot to be in. Uh, we also like Amazon as well. Amazon right now has all about efficiencies and scale. And we're seeing that. And both of those companies right now are scoring touchdowns with regards to the NFL and bringing on sort of new users into their both of their ecosystems. So those are both wins long term. All right. I want to bounce something off you. Uh, we have some new data from the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. And this data shows that hedge funds Uh, They're turning even more bullish on the markets right now. So on the dollar, excuse me, uh, for the first time since March, on expectations, the Fed will signal the potential for further tightening. Um, What's your take on this? The CFTC says hedge funds, they hold a total of 18,000 net long positions on the dollar. What's your take? 
Yeah, we're going to see later this week, the Federal Reserve potentially is going to pause, right? 87% of the betting market right now says they will do so. We believe they will. And as they're going to continue with their every other meeting uh, strategy, they have to maintain optionality. We believe it's going to be higher for longer. That's going to strengthen the dollar. So meaning the Federal Reserve is going to have to keep and maintain rates as high as they possibly can. And that's going to continue to put strength in the dollar. Robert, before we let you go, just one other thought about today. Normally ask the later guest about today, but we're kind of seeing, as you mentioned, that September seasonality. What are you expecting from today's trading day with futures solidly in the green? Well, I, I wouldn't hold your breath on that one, Frank, uh, quite frankly. Again, after that options Friday, uh, 79% of the time uh, this week uh, sets up to be negative according to, you know, just historical uh, playbook. So right now, just keep your powder dry, take advantage of opportunities and be patient. All right, Robert, by the way, I caught the football reference. Sounds like you, you spent quite a bit of time watching the games yesterday. It is great to see you, Robert. Thank you very much. It was great to see you again, Frank. All right, we've got a lot more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including that one word that investors have to know today. But first, why Detroit's labor stumbles could open the door for some Far East EV competition. We have a CNBC exclusive, the CEO of Zeker, coming up next. Plus, it's not just crude, heating oil, diesel, and jet fuel also surging in September why that could be some bad news for consumers. And then later, black jerseys, hoodies, hats, and shades, we talk to the Boulder, Colorado blackout. We talk about the Boulder, Colorado blackout, courtesy of Coach Prime with the maker of some high-profile eyewear at the center of Sanders' signature style. We have a very busy hour still ahead. Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Change. Taking a look at U.S. futures, you can see solidly in the green across the board, all three indices fractionally higher right now. Let's see how Europe is shaping up as this trading day is just getting underway. Our Germana Brissetti is in our London newsroom with much more on the early action. Germana, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Well, a bit of a mixed handover we're getting from Asian markets overnight. Slightly more green on the Shanghai Composite over there in China, up a quarter of a percent. Better than expected factory output and retail sales data. So some analysts are suggesting that maybe we're seeing some stabilization on the economic front over there. Hang Seng, however, down 1.4 percent. Property sector is still very much in focus. We're also seeing a drag downwards by the tech sector today, being pulled down by some of the chip makers in Taiwan, TSMC, obviously the main one. And then the Nikkei over here, 1.1% green, 
as we head into that Bank of Japan meeting on Friday, again, there are some speculation that they may be looking to move away from negative interest rate policy, uh, one of the reasons why we are watching the Japanese market so closely this week. As for European markets, the picture is not so pretty. Every single one of these bourses is trading underwater as we continue to digest the impact of the ECB's rate hike last week. The likes of the Zetradax in Germany down half a percent. The Cacarante in France down one percent. And there we're watching out for one stock. I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, the UK index down about two-tenths of a percent, though we did get better asking house prices uh, this month. Just in terms of the, the, the stock that we're watching out for, though, Société Générale within France, uh, one of the major movers, down 8% today in trading. Société Générale has revealed its updated strategy as the CEO, Slavomir Krupa, pledges to boost profits and cut costs, but the market reaction has not being that positive. Markets were disappointed by the lack of vision and by the lack of their more ambitious targets on revenue growth, which explains why they're doing so poorly today. Frank. All right. Our Jumana Brissetti live in our London newsroom. Jumana, thank you very much. Turn our attention now to China and one very high-end automaker looking to capitalize on Detroit's labor dysfunction, especially when it comes to the EV market. First stop, though, Europe and the Middle East. Our Yunus Yun joins me now from a live from a Zeker showroom in Beijing. Eunice, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Well, traditional car giants in the West are about to face another competitor. Ezekiel's CEO told me in an exclusive that his EV company is about to crawl into the international ring. Andy On has big dreams for his small auto brand. Next year will be an important year for Zeker and our international push, he says. Zeker is a premium EV unit of Chinese car group Geely. It's filed for a New York IPO. Its crossover SUV, the X, is a rival to Tesla's Model Y. In China, it starts at $26,000. It features automatic doors. Folding back seats for extra cargo space, a passenger seat that turns into a bed, and a trunk that doubles as a picnic table. But Zeker is just one of countless EV brands fighting it out in an economy in a slump. Zeker sold 40,000 cars in the first half of this year. Tesla, 12 times as many here. That's why Zeker and others are looking overseas for business, especially in Europe, where Zeker just shipped its first cars last month. We're confident we can start in the most challenging market with Europe's fierce competition and high standards, he says. And Europe is becoming more challenging. Just last week, the EU announced an investigation into subsidization of Chinese EVs. And analysts are already worried about countervailing measures. Uh, the company Zeker, though, um, on, didn't comment, though, on those plans. Frank? This EV war, it's really heating up. So there's already several U.S. listed Chinese EV makers for U.S. investors to consider. How does Zeker differentiate its product from all those other names? Well, Zeker's CEO uh, told me that um, his argument is that unlike those other Chinese EVs, Zeker has access to its parent company's uh, production as well as logistics networks. And also, and that company is very, very established. In addition to that, his, the sister brand, Volvo, has a lot of technological and safety know-how. So uh, they're able to have what he's described as a light 
asset model, which means that they could spend more time on their cars and their designs. Uh, J.D. Power has actually said that uh, the customer uh, satisfaction of of Zeker is quite high in China. Uh, but that said, uh, Frank, very early days in a highly, highly competitive market. Yes, very early days. Absolutely. Eunice, great reporting as always. Our Eunice Yoon live in Beijing. Thank you again as always. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we've got billionaires row in New York City. It's apparently just too expensive for some billionaires. Also, a new reason not to throw out those old VHS tapes and more controversy in the Hollywood writer's strike. We have your top trending stories coming up when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. (laughs) That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Three weeks and three wins as the Cinderella story that is now the undefeated Buffaloes at the University of Colorado Boulder shows no signs of slowing down. And at the center of it all, Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, in Saturday's double OT victory over Colorado State. Sanders on the sidelines in his signature style, capped off by a new pair of sunglasses thanks to a new collaboration with Blender's Eyewear. One, the San Diego-based eyeglasses maker, is riding straight to the top of the sales charts. Joining me now in a first on CNBC interview is Blender CEO Chase Fisher. Chase, good morning. You're on the West Coast. Especially good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. I'm super excited to be here. All right. We have a big international audience, Chase. I'm going to just boil this down. Deion Sanders is one of the most colorful, verbose athletes in U.S. history. On Thursday, a rival, he's a, he's a coach now, a rival coach Talk trash about him wearing glasses. Then on Friday, you announced a glasses collaboration. Was this plan? How big of a sales boost did this all give your brand? It was massive, man. Um, so my dad actually put him on my radar about a year and a half ago before he was at Boulder. And he was like, Chase, you got to take a look at this guy. He's making huge moves in college football and he's about to make bigger moves. And um, finally, I caught wind of him. And it just so happens that he was in the market for a sunglass deal at this time. And uh, so we reached out and we made something happen before the season as he was really passionate about it. And it's been absolutely skyrocketing. So it's super, super exciting. Wait, you're, you're, you might be dodging the questions here, Chase. Was this all planned out? Is this a stunt? Did the other, was the other coach in on it? Because he talks about his sunglasses was- the day before you announced this. And also, you got to tell us, we've heard reports it's $1.2 million in sales after this. How big of a bump was it really? It was, it was yeah, it was $1.2 million in sales on that same day. Uh, the partnership was planned, but the drama between the CSU coach was not planned. That just fell into our lap, honestly. So the timing was impeccable. Um, and yeah, we're on pace to have our biggest month ever. All right. So I want to talk about your business now. Um, you're a sunglasses maker. You were an independent brand. You were bought by a larger Italian company that is publicly traded. Um, I want to talk about your sourcing, though. So how long does it take to make a pair of sunglasses you manufacture in China? How long does that take right now? That 1.2 million, that was all pre-orders. How long is it going to take you to fulfill those orders? So our first order was for 16,000 units. We've sold 72,000. So we are working around the clock to get these things filled as much as possible. Uh, But we're looking for a December delivery on these pre-orders right now. So uh, 
be patient, but we're working hard to get them out the door as fast as possible. So it's about a four month lead time. That's basically what you're spelling out. How does that compare to the height of the pandemic? What does that tell you about what's going on when it comes to manufacturing in China? You know, but before the, I mean, during the pandemic, it was extremely hard to manufacture. Obviously, you know, factories were shutting down. There was very, very little labor. Um, costs were really high. So materials were hard to get. And then you add, add in the transportation issues with like shipping and planes. So it was a lot harder back then. Honestly, this has stabilized a lot more post COVID. But to be honest, Coach Prime, there's nothing in the world that could have prepared us for this. Um, so we're doing everything we can to get these things as, out the door as fast as possible. But um, we are looking at opportunities to bring manufacturing uh, closer to shore as well, just to give us more, you know. Okay. Um, give us a sense of what it's like right now being a direct-to-consumer brand. You're making most of your sales direct-to-consumer um, through e-commerce. Who are you using? Are you using FedEx? Are you using UPS? And what's that been like right now as we see those two, both of those companies kind of in a, a transformation right now um, and also getting over some labor issues when we're talking about UPS? We actually use USPS because um, all of our stuff is like under a pound. So we try to make our stuff as like light, light and easy to ship as possible. We do use FedEx as well. Um, but, you know, right now, e-commerce is actually really, really tough. It's actually in like a big slump in the last five years. Uh, the sentiment around e-com has been very low. So brands that aren't willing to take big risk and, and really try things in a different way, um, it's, it's, being hard. it's just harder to grow right now. So uh, I think that's why this Coach Prime thing is so special because it really does. Um, it's so out of the box and it's so big and it's so different than what most brands are doing. Chase, it is pretty big here in the U.S. I, I got to be honest, I'm a little disappointed you didn't have the shades on. Everybody's talking about these right now. I'm surprised I don't even you have, have a pair. pair on. Even I don't you even can't have, get a pair? I, I don't even have a pair myself. No, I don't even have a <laughs> pair. These things aren't even made right now. It's crazy. Well, talk about a tough supply chain. Chase Fisher, thank you for coming on. Let's, let's stay in touch. Let's see if there's any other twists and turns when it comes to blenders. Thanks for being on. You got it, man. All Thanks right, so coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, it is day four of the historic United Auto Workers strike, crippling the production capacities of Detroit's big three. Members say they will hold out for more. Our Phil LeBeau is back on the picket lines now in Toledo, Ohio. Phil. Good morning, Frank. You talk about improving the offers. That's what the big three have been doing. Is it enough to get the UAW to say, maybe we're close to settling? Nowhere close. We'll talk about the latest details when Worldwide Exchange returns. It is right around 5.30 a.m. here in the New York City area, and there's just a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange. Here is what's still on deck. Investors getting ready for a busy trading week. Top of mind, the Federal Reserve in its latest rate decision, futures are pointing to a bit of a muted start. And the Biden administration looks to step into the United Auto Workers strike as negotiations between the union and the big three. They just remain at a standstill. Our Phil LeBeau is on the ground with the very latest. And with less than two weeks to go to avoid a potential government shutdown, House Speaker uh, Kevin McCarthy, he lays out his terms to get a deal done. It is Monday, September the 18th, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Let's get you ready to start this day. As always, we pick up the half an hour with a check on U.S. stock futures with the Dow riding a three-session win streak. So it looks like Right now, the Dow moving into negative territory, as we've done this show. Before, it was just fractionally higher. The S&P and the Nasdaq fractionally higher right now. Something we'll continue to watch. We're also looking at the bond market right now. As always, we begin with the benchmark 10-year. We're seeing that yield coming at 4.34, highest level since 2007. Also important to note, the two-year, that yield back above 5% at 5.05. And also the energy market, oil riding a three-week win streak, hovering very close to its highest level in 11 months. 
WTI, the U.S. benchmark at 91.34 right now, moving higher in the pre-market, up over a half a percent. Similar story for Brent crude, also moving higher at 94.33, almost at a half a percent higher. Same story with gasoline, moving higher. According to AAA, the average price for a gallon of regular today, just north of 388 a gallon, up from 367 just a year ago, something all of us drivers here in the U.S. are paying attention to. But it's not just gasoline prices that are making their way higher. We're talking diesel fuel prices also surging in recent weeks. Right now sitting at 4.47 a gallon, as is jet fuel, up nearly 40% since May. Taken together from travel to e-commerce, it all means some hard times could be coming for consumers. Joining me now is Francisco Blanche, Bank of America Global Research Commodity and Derivative Strategist. Francisco, good morning. Thank you for being here. Hey, Frank. Uh, great to see you again. Thanks All right, for having so me. We're seeing the momentum when it comes to the energy markets. Give us a sense. Are we headed towards $100 a gallon, uh, a barrel gas uh, oil prices? Excuse me. Conflating oil and gas right now. But are we heading towards $100 a barrel oil prices? Um, well, Frank, I think, I think there's a good chance that uh, we, will, uh, we will get higher from here. Uh, remember that the main driver of the oil market is supply, supply, supply. Uh, we've had not only Saudi cuts now for about 12 months running. Remember, the Saudis started to cut production at around uh, at around uh, $100, uh, $95 a barrel uh, in September of last year. So right, that's right around where we are today in terms of brand prices. Uh, also, we've seen the Russians uh, joining the Saudis more recently, the last three months or so, uh, cutting production as well which in turn uh, has, has triggered a, a rally in, in the price of Russian oil. Um, and then to top that off, as you mentioned, we are having bottlenecks on the refining front because uh, these are 100-year-old factories, essentially, that nobody wants to maintain or upkeep. Uh, they're being run down as cash cows, uh, given the fact that uh, there is an expectation that the electric vehicle will push fuel demand lower over the course of the next 10 years. So. Um, so that's where we are today. We have refinery bottlenecks. We have uh, Saudi and then Russia uh, cutting production uh, on a combined basis. And that's triggered uh, this runoff in both uh, crude oil, but also in the prices of transportation fuels. All right. So, Francisco, you, you laid out a, a number of macro factors that I think a lot of investors are aware of. We've already seen uh, Brent rise by about 20 bucks a barrel in the second half of the year. Why isn't all that priced in? Why is that still in your mind? Uh, have, why does it still have the potential to move oil prices higher? Well, Frank, the, the big story has been for, for quite some time the, uh, the the fact that OPEC wasn't particularly happy with the prices they were they were getting, uh, but also I think what, what's what's new it's is, is is Russia joining to cut production for much of the past year. The price cap uh, situation, uh, the price cap scheme devised by the U.S. Treasury worked very well, incentivizing Russia to maximize volumes over price. But that's also deprived uh, a lot of revenue to the Russian uh, Treasury, which in turn has been struggling to pay for the war effort uh, they have running in Ukraine. So okay. uh, they've changed tactic, and now they're hoping to maximize prices over, over volume. I think it's as simple as that. We saw it in gas last year, and now we're seeing it in oil. All right. So last night you put out a note citing that there's basically China blues right now. Uh, in your mind, uh, production or, excuse me, uh, consumption in China is maybe not as high as it's supposed to be. How big of a factor will China be in, in, in the oil story for the rest of this year? 
Um, I think it's going to be a, a, a big story still. But remember, even though China is not doing well because the real estate sector is is uh, is very weak because you have a weak industry on the back of the trade war, um, you also have a relatively thriving uh, services sector. Uh, you have the number of flights picking up pretty quickly in China. People are spending more money in tourism, leisure, hospitality. Uh, they're going out to restaurants. They're going out to to uh, uh, to the movies, right? So. There may not be spending money in, in, in big ticket items in the past, but they are spending money in the, in the services sector. And then we're also seeing stimulus across a number of, of sectors that the, the government the, uh, can control, like, for example, transmission lines and okay. rail stations and, and that kind of thing. So, so China is not great, but it's, it's not terrible when, it, when you look at, at demand for oil, which is really driven by, by services. All right, Francisco Blanche, great to have you as always. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, time now for a check on some of this morning's top corporate stories. Our Bertha Coombs is here with those. Bertha, good morning again. Hey, good morning, Frank. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is laying out his terms for a deal to avoid a government shutdown with less than two weeks to get an agreement done. The proposal, which would fund the government for about a month, demands an 8% spending cut for domestic agencies with exceptions for military and veterans funding and resuming construction of the southern border wall. Those demands would likely not be accepted by the Democrats-led Senate. A House vote on the measure is slated for Thursday. Goldman Sachs says the Fed may be in a holding pattern on rate hikes, at least for the near term. In a new note over the weekend, the bank's strategists say the Fed likely will not raise rates during its October 31st to November 1st policy meeting. But Goldman adds it expects the central bank's dot plot to show a near majority of members expecting one more rate hike, if only to preserve flexibility for now. And SoftBank is reportedly looking for deals in the artificial intelligence space, including a possible investment in open AI. According to the Financial Times, SoftBank founder and CEO Masayoshi Son is looking to invest tons, tens of billions of dollars in the space. The paper adds that SoftBank could look to reach a broad strategic partnership with OpenAI and that Masasan speaks almost every day to OpenAI CEO Sam Altman. Almost every day, Frank. That's really? quite a bromance. <laughs> Bertha, what a way to put it. Our Bertha Coons with the headlines. Bertha, thank you very much. All right, turning now to United Auto Workers' strike against the big three U.S. automakers. It's now in its fourth day with no immediate resolution in sight. The UAW resumed talks with General Motors yesterday and is scheduled to do the same with Ford and Stellantis today. Appearing on CBS Face the Nation, UAW President Sean Fain says the union is prepared to do whatever they have to do, including walking out at more plants. If we don't get better offers and we don't get down and take care of the members' needs, then uh, we're going to amp this thing up even more. All right, let's get out to our Phil LeBeau, who's at the Stellantis plant in Toledo, Ohio. Phil, good morning. What's the latest there? Uh, Frank, we've got about two dozen uh, uh, picketers outside the uh, Jeep plant here. This is where they build the Gladiator as well as the Wrangler. Here's an update in terms of where things stand. You mentioned that Stellantis and Ford representatives will be meeting with the UAW today. Stellantis, over the weekend, raised its offer in terms of a wage increase for the UAW members, bumping it up to 21%. Increasingly, 
The idea of restoring defined benefit pensions or increasing retiree pay, that is in focus. Not sure the automakers will go that far in terms of restoring the pensions. And then there's the question of dropping wage tiers. All of that is getting some attention, but the most attention is focused on the pay gap the proposal pay gap, if you will. The UAW wants 40% over four and a half years. You see Stellantis and Ford offering 21%, GM offering 20%. As you take a look at shares of Ford, UAW called the talks with Ford reasonably productive. We will see Ford and Stellantis going back to the bargaining table today with the UAW. And speaking of Stellantis, a unique issue here, Frank, is the fact that they have idled their production plant in Belvedere, Illinois, just outside of Rockford. It's been idled since February. Well, initially, they talked about bringing it back, bringing production back. Then they pulled it off. That has raised the ire with the UAW. That is unique to Stellantis. The UAW wants production restored at that plant. Whether or not that ultimately happens, that is a key hurdle that is a part of the Stellantis UAW negotiations. Frank? So, Phil, we're also hearing that the White House is set to get involved directly. What are you hearing on that front? They're going to be sending a team here sometime early this week. Now, they're not going to be mediating. They were careful to say that over the weekend, that they're not mediating between the UAW and the automakers. But they've been in touch with both sides. And what they would like to see is greater dialogue and some movement toward a resolution. I'm not sure that's going to happen, but certainly the White House does not want to see this drag on as potentially as long as it could. All right. Our Phil LeBeau live in Toledo, Ohio. Very latest on this story. Phil, thank you very much. All right. Let's talk more now about the economic impact of the UAW strike, especially if it turns from days into weeks and then expands to more plants. Mike Brisson is the head of economic research at Moody's Analytics. Mike, good morning. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Frank. All right. So we know that striking at all three of the big three is unprecedented. But right now we're seeing targeted actions. We're just a fraction of the overall 140,000 workers are striking right now. Um, is this creating a broader economic impact right now with these targeted strikes? No, it's not. The, the fact that it's a staggered strike rather than all three and all workers walking off at once, it means that it's going to be much more limited than we would originally expect if all three had shut down. All right. So if we see a full-blown strike, again, that's about 140,000 workers. One estimate is that, that that would have a $5 billion negative impact in the first 10 days. Where will we as consumers see the big impact? And also, would this potentially impact inflation, something that the Fed is watching closely? Yeah, that's an important point. Yeah, so the first place that we may see uh, change for consumers is going to be in the used vehicle prices. Used vehicle prices are much more uh, sensitive to changes in the number of vehicles on the market. And when there's less new vehicles on the market, that means there's going to be less used vehicles. There's less choice out there. Uh, the new vehicle market, that will be a little bit more delayed in terms of prices. What about the broader uh, inflation story? So uh, you're saying that used vehicle prices will rise. Will we see inflation in any other areas outside of that? Or does that trigger inflation in other areas? We don't expect it to trigger inflation in other areas. Uh, and we do expect the Fed to see through uh, what is uh, a short-term story. Uh, it's short-term in terms of uh, the number of months that it happens. And prices should come back down as production ramps back up uh, once an agreement is reached. Okay. 
long term, if we continue to see this labor disruption, whether it's targeted or a full blown strike, what does it mean for these automakers? What does it mean for this transition to EVs? And again, for the broader economy to have this kind of disruption, uh, there's many investors who are worried about wage inflation. Is that something that investors should be uh, mindful of going forward? So that hasn't been the focus of our research. Our research is mainly focused on the impact to the economy. Uh, we expect that this is having about a $45 million per day impact on the economy. However, that's spread out, and that's at current rates. And if it goes all the way up to all 140000 that could be almost $450 million per day uh, to the U.S. economy. And so investors should be worried about that impact to the economy, but it's not going to put us into a full-blown recession. Um, our main concern is the... Uh, other things going on. So we just talked about oil prices on your program. We also talked about uh, the government shutdown, Bertha. And so all of these things combining along with student loan uh, repayments starting, that all risks uh, adding to each other to be able to maybe start a recession. However, our thought is that this drag isn't going to be enough, but these it do increase the risk substantially to uh, the economic recovery. You know, really, that's interesting, Mike. I've heard a lot of people talk about it hitting GDP um, but you're saying it would raise recession concerns. Kind of spell out how that all happens there. Um, again, you're saying it's not having a big impact right now. And you even said that the Fed would see it as a, a short term issue. How does it then potentially trigger a recession? So if you have all these things happening at once, you have oil start to go over $100. That puts uh, gas prices above $4. That hits consumer sentiment at the same time as student loan payments rehit, which brings back spending. And then you have the strike. Uh, which we see, see could have as much of an impact as 0.3% on GDP in the quarter. And if you have all these things combining at once, we, you could see uh, economic, uh, consumer confidence decrease, which could lead to a decrease in spending. All right, Mike Brisson uh, from Moody's. Great to have you here. Thank you for your time and for your insight. Thanks for having me. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, some new legal woes for China's embattled property developer Evergrande, sending shockwaves across the overseas markets. But first, as we head to break, we have some of your top trending stories. That includes Drew Barrymore hitting pause on her talk show once again following criticism over her decision to resume production during the Hollywood strikes. The announcement coming just one week after Barrymore said she would be bringing the show back with several actors and organizations calling on her to reconsider. $250 million for a Manhattan penthouse proven to be too much for even the most high-end homebuyers. The sticker price for the most expensive home in the U.S. dropping by 22% to only $195 million as demand for ultra-luxury condos along New York City's Billionaire's Row continues to shrink. And no sticker shock for those old VHS tapes, classic movies like Back to the Future, E.T. and The Lion King, selling for thousands of dollars on eBay with the Goonies, scoring the highest bidding price of $125,000. we got much more Worldwide Exchange coming back in a moment. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your morning call sheet. We begin with Deutsche Bank upgrading its rating and price target on Micron, moving it to a buy in $85 per share. Deutsche says the inflecting fundamentals for the company should mark the start of an upcycle for the chip maker. All right, we have another rating and price target hike, this time from Mizuho on DoorDash, moving it to buy and $105 per share. Mizuho carrying out a deep dive across all of DoorDash's key metrics and says it feels confident that gross order value growth should outperform guidance and street expectations in the second half of the year. Shares of DoorDash up almost 3% in the pre-market. And HSBC initiating coverage of Lululemon, giving it a buy rating and a $500 price target. The bank says it is convinced that the brand can continue to grow 
and dominate its niche while it remains in the early innings of its own growth story. Shares of Lululemon up almost 1% in the pre-market. And time, and time now, now for your global briefing. We're going to begin with shares of Evergrande getting hit in overseas trading as police in the city of Shenzhen detain members of its wealth management unit. Reports say the move suggests a potential new investigation into the embattled Chinese property developer. The stock tumbling as much as 25% before recovering most of those losses. Three Chinese firms led by AI software company Beijing Fourth Paradigm they're looking to raise up to $280 million combined through IPOs launched today in Hong Kong. Regulatory filings show Beijing Fourth Paradigm would look to account for $144 million of that total amount. The company is on the White House list, barring U.S. suppliers from shipping tech to it. And shares of S4 Capital plunging after cutting its annual forecast for the second time in two months. The ad group saying it fears a potential recession is making clients a bit more cautious. S4 also reporting a significantly narrowed first half operating loss. All right, coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we have the one word that every investor needs to know today, plus the beaten down pharma giant that your next guest says he is finding opportunity in. We're going to give you that name coming up. And as we head to break, CNBC is celebrating Hispanic heritage, sharing the stories of influential Hispanic business leaders with you. Here's Four Seasons Hotel and Resorts President and CEO Alejandro Reynal. To me, it's very important to celebrate the Hispanic Heritage Month because ultimately diversity matters and matters a lot. And this cannot be the flavor of the month. I mean, it ultimately is something that we have to do on a daily basis. And we as leaders have a responsibility to lead by example. And for me, it's not only the right thing to do. Driving diversity and inclusion, it does drives the right business outcomes.
All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap-up. We begin with the United Auto Workers president, Sean Fain, rejecting a 21% pay boost offer from Stellantis, calling it and other offers from Ford and GM a no-go. As the union's first-ever strike against Detroit's Big Three, it enters its fourth day. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is set to send a team this week to Detroit. Clavio is reportedly raising the target of its IPO set for Wednesday to more than $550 million. According to Bloomberg, the Boston-based digital marketing software maker is now set to price shares between $27 and $29, up from $25 to $27. That IPO coming on the heels of Arm's solid trading debut last week. Shares facing a bit of pressure this morning, but up 18.5% in its first two days, its market cap hovering around $62 billion. Work Capital's $9.6 billion deal to buy Subway is reportedly hitting a regulatory hurdle. Sources tell the New York Post that the FTC and its officials are taking a closer look at the deal and possible antitrust complications. And Turkey's president is asking Elon Musk to build a Tesla factory in that country. Tesla factory in that country. State-owned media reporting that President Erdogan made the request to Musk during a meeting in New York City with Elon Musk apparently saying Turkey was among the most important candidates for the next Tesla factory. All right, here's, the what, here's what to watch in the week ahead. The IPO rush picking back up with the public trading debuts of Instacart and Clavio expected. We also get quarterly results from FedEx and KB Home. And central banks are top of investors' minds with the Fed, the Bank of England, and the Bank of Japan, all of them set to hand down their latest policy decisions. With that Fed rate decision on tap, your next guest says he believes the central bank is in its final stages of its rate hiking cycle. David Katz is the chief investment officer at Matrix Asset Advisors. Good morning, David. Good morning. All right. So you feel like we're in the, the final cycles, but it doesn't seem like the market quite agrees. We're, we're having a down September right now and all three of the major indices trading below their 50 day moving average. Why aren't we seeing better stock performance if we're, if we're at the end of this hiking cycle? Well, we think that has a little bit less to do with the Fed and more to do with a lot of things that are going on right now. You're confronting the Hollywood strike. You just started the new uh, uh, automobile strike. You have uncertainty at uncertainty about a government shutdown in the next month. So there are a lot of things going on. And your inflation numbers were a little bit hotter than expected last week. So we think that all taken together has slowed the market down. We don't think it derails it, but we do expect volatility. We think it's going to be a pause that refreshes. But we do think the Fed, whether they're done or almost done, uh, they're definitely in the eighth or ninth inning for sure. All right. So like a lot of people in the market, you think we're, we're coming up on a pause during the decision this week. You say it's going to be a refresh. With that in mind, what's your WEX word of the day? The, the WEX word of the day is headwinds. You're just right. confronting a lot of very short-term issues, and that's going to slow the market down. And that's perfectly normal. But we do have a number of headwinds uh, that we're confronting right now, led by the strike. Okay. Um, if we're going to get a, a pause and a refresh, what areas of the market do you think are going to start to work better at, as part of this refresh and the pause? Technology started the year off white hot. It has slowed down since June. A lot of areas that started very poorly have started to pick up in a meaningful way. And we think that's going to continue. We, we look to stocks that really have not done a lot this year, but have good long term outlooks, good franchises as the next opportunity. All right. Uh, so we like healthcare. Okay. Uh, is one that we think will do well. Utilities have done miserably. We think they're poised to do a little bit better. Financials, Got uh, same thing. So, so, David, we want to get to your pick. So speaking of opportunity, we showed our mystery chart just a minute ago. Um, it's Pfizer. So you're saying Pfizer is a company that you would buy today. You gave us some other picks as well. 
And it's all based on valuation. So Pfizer, for example, trading at about 11, 12 times forward earnings. Why is that company so attractive, even though it's down 33% year to date? Well, in fact, the, the, re, the fact that it's down 35% has made it that attractive. It's a good long-term business. It's, it sells at, at 10 times earnings. We think the earnings are going to grow over the next three to five years modestly, but they will grow. They have a 4.8% dividend yield, so you're getting paid a lot of money while you're waiting. And management has said that they're going to continue to grow the dividend actually at an accelerating rate. So it's a good business, not a great business, but a good business at a great price. All right, so you're all about valuation. So you also talked about utilities being attractive right now. One of your picks, Next Era Energy, but you look at that forward P, 21 times forward earnings for a utility. Explain your thesis there. So we like the overall utility group. Nextera has always been the uh, premier utility. It is one of the largest um, new energy plays out there. So you're paying a little bit more for it. So generally, uh, folks that know us know that we like things in the teens. Uh, Nextera generally sells about 25 times earnings at a premium to the group. So it's at its smallest premium to the group that it's been at some time. They've also had a very significant amount of insider buying, the CEO, two directors buying. So we think you're getting a great business at a good price. Uh, and we think if you have a 12-month time horizon, this is a really good entry point. So not as cheap as we normally like, okay. but a really good business. And we think it's a very attractive entry point. All right, your other picks, Goldman Sachs, David, we've got to let you go. But really quickly, um, are expecting more choppiness and volatility today despite futures being in the green? Uh, we are expecting choppiness over the, over the next week and two weeks as the market comes to terms with the strike and the possible government shutdown. Yes. All right, David Katz, great to have you on. Thank you very much. I'm um, taking a quick look at futures right now. Bid mix. The Dow basically flat. The other two fractionally higher. Squawk Box is coming up next. Thank you for watching. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.